Hi, and welcome to another episode of Mrs. Motivation. I'm your host, Chrissy Clemente, and today I am so grateful to have my old friend from high school with me, Viundra Katua. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you with me. We have so much to catch up on. I do want to give a little bit of a background. You know, we met back in high school, like we said. We are from the suburbs of New York City. So me being a Latina woman and Viundra being a woman of color, we were kind of in the minority in our county, to say the least, I would say. And so we definitely had a lot of different experiences, I'm sure, growing up um, around this area. And I just want to talk about our experiences, how they affected us, how they've shaped us, and how we are now reflecting on those experiences so that we can continue to educate not only ourselves, but the people around us. So again, welcome. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Oh my God, Christina, I can't believe how long it's been. It's like so wild considering like, I don't know. Yeah. High school is really like the intersection for us, right? Like middle school was just like, well, I guess to give context, Christina and I grew up in Rockland County, um, new city, Parkstown is like the town and like they have the little, these little hamlets that are broken up, I would say socioeconomically. Like I think that, you know, you kind of knew that the wealthy kids lived on one side of town and then, you know, the less, the kids with less money live closer to the schools, right? So sure. um, I lived really close to the high school and it was an interesting opportunity for me to understand like how people became friends with me for proximity for parking, first and foremost. And then two, yes, used every day, basically, to be like, can I park in your driveway? First and foremost. So it starts very early. But to be two, I guess I would say even token friends for a lot of people, right? I feel like I was everyone, a lot of people's only black reference, frame of reference, perspective for so long. But it's also like, I think as I grew older, it became stifling to have that be the narrative because then I can never really openly speak to my blackness because anything I would say would be challenged as being too black. And I think what's interesting to think about, which came up for me recently is like when we were in high school, Chappelle show was just like breaking in this space of like bringing this awareness to me. And I was just like, I don't want to deal with my blackness in you guys. Like you guys aren't, we're not doing this. Like we're not there yet. That's my boyfriend. Sorry. <laughs> Hi boyfriend. I'm a little too high. How are you doing? Good. How are you? That's also an interesting thing, and that's what I, we could definitely touch on that too, to a later date, like be, inter, like race and like interracial relationships. I, I'm in one, I get it. And I'm the first of my family to do so. So that was also something that was like a huge deal. It's like, you're not marrying a Cuban guy? Like, really? I was it's like, hard. no. And in my husband's family, it's like, she's, she's not Filipino. Like you might as well end it, you know? And it was just really yeah. interesting, like getting together and, and it's working just funny. It. Yeah. Working through all that. And still to this day, I still feel like I'm not Filipino enough sometimes. Girl, I'll never be So, <laughs> like, you know, he's from the mid, he's from Milwaukee, the Midwest. And that was a whole nother pivotal point for me because that's another layer of blackness that I was so far removed from like white people addressing me and like reacting to me in a way that and I was just so privileged on the east coast I was so privileged being able to like move as I saw fit like just in and out of places and then I was just oh reminded oh you're black and I was like oh, be still my soul I'm in my 30s and this is what I have to revisit yeah it's different other places I went different. to my husband and I went to, I think it was like uh, North Dakota or something. Yeah. And so we were, I don't, I don't want to be, I'll be judged anyway. I mean, I have a podcast, but we went out to this restaurant and every time we went to a town over in the Northwest that didn't have many people of color, we would get really nervous, like extremely nervous. Like seriously, we, we honestly thought like, where are the people that we went to this pizza hut? And, where? <laughs> and I was like, where are all the people of color? And then, or like Spanish people, anyone, like give me any sort of variety. And then, so we yeah. go to this pizza hut and then the only person of color that we saw was the bus boy server. Everybody else was in there white. And I was like, 
we have to go. And we left him like the biggest tip because we were like, this poor guy has to be subjected to this position. And everybody else around him is like a Karen. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was interesting to say that. Tell the least. me about it. But we digress. So, yeah. So tell me about your experience growing up here versus you were talking about going to like Milwaukee and meeting your boyfriend's family and that whole thing. Yeah, I think that growing up in Rockland is a really interesting place. I don't know that I understood, like, what blackness meant to me growing up. Like, you know, my parents were, you know, they're immigrants. I'm first generation. So they came, my dad left Southwest Africa at the time in 19, I guess in the late 70s. I'd say maybe 76 or 77. He got sponsored through the UN to, like, just leave. There was a riot and South Africa was in civil unrest and black people were living under apartheid at that time. So he left, and then my, he met my mom here in Brooklyn because she left also under similar parameters with my grandmother and came and they met here. And in Rockland, being token and having like your cultural identity, I got to sit in my tribal space versus like the color of my skin because I was the only one. I didn't really have to like inter- interact. There's only a few other black kids that I would really run into. Like I know it ran track with some kids. How <laughs> Running track with black kids, wow, how stereotypical. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, and finding myself in these spaces. But I think after I left Rockland, I understood how America saw me as a black woman. And I think that I was really, really spoiled being token. And I think that I had like my 20s, I feel like I'm just like shaking. Like I was just, like shaken up by everyone and how they were reacting to me. And it really made me think about myself. And I think it kind of attributed to like some anxiety and depression that I was dealing with. And I didn't know like what it stemmed from because I didn't, I couldn't like pin the nail on the donkey. And then like everything exploded when Obama became president. Cause then I had to like cancel a ton of people from Rockland. And I was like, I'm out, I can't, like I'm, I'm over it. Like this, this racist rhetoric is crazy to me. Like that yeah. I have to speak to all black people because you're choosing to not read news purple articles and you want to like just have race bait conversations. Like, no, I'm good. It's unfortunate that, like, you look at a man like Obama. Now, I don't want to, like, get into, like, politics and and all of that, but you look at someone like Obama, and there was so much hatred, right, when he was coming into office, especially in these areas we come from. And then this guy Trump runs, and and he has no education in politics, no experience, but everyone's like, yeah. Put that guy in office. That's a better choice than the educated like person who's been in politics for his entire life, has made it his whole life mission. And that, to me, is like a very clear-cut example of this, the separation in this country with people and their lack of understanding and education. Like, if he was a white person, would you hate him as much? It's just no. a curiosity for me. Absolutely not. And I think we all know that's the answer, right? And I think like, it it really just lies in the fact that you can't be perceived as the inferior race and challenge people in spaces that they haven't discovered themselves. Right? Right. I think if we're talking about leadership, if you do study and you are articulate and you, you know, get all these, you pass the flying colors, it's threatening to other people because they're barely doing the work. Right. So that's really all it is. And it's, Trump makes it look fun and easy and it's like light and he's because he's careless and reckless like everyone else in their lives they relate to him but when you bring the structure in order and you're trying to you know bring progress and you're telling people to wake up and move in a different direction when they're not prepared nor do they care to of course they're just gonna be staunch and sit and get on their phones and just you know be twitter gangsters and like spew this hatred so for me it's like I know that I'm gearing up for something that is going to probably shed light on me in a way that's not going to be positive per se, but I know that I'm protected by the right people and I need to do it because if not now, we won't have another chance, right? If we allow this next generation of young white militant kids that are like, fuck black rights, they're going to rewrite all the, they're not going to rewrite anything for us. So we need to really be cognizant of like the local votes. We need to take people out of local positions that are, racist and aligned and a lot of people don't pay attention to that because it's so close to home that you don't know who are the gangsters in your county but because I worked in Rockland County as a small business banker I understood who those people were so I was able to leverage those relationships on the the business side of things but if you don't have that access it's hard to really tell so I'm working with 
some people in big banks, um, some C-suite execs, and we're going to use my story and my heritage and my lineage to showcase modern day slavery from your favorite companies. Amazing. That is, I think that, okay, so uh, several things of what you said I want to touch on. And one of them is, it's so like how you said, it's so much easier to be on Twitter typing what you want. It's easy to turn a blind eye. It's easy to not educate yourself. And I relate that a lot to, and I think you can understand this from like a spiritual perspective, right? When you are a spiritual energy worker, and I know you're a yoga teacher, you have to do a lot of work every single day, right? You're not taking, and I'm not knocking anyone who takes pills for whatever, you know, disease they have in their bodies but instead of taking a zoloft you and i are sitting down we're doing the work we're bringing up what's being triggered in us we're examining why we're reading books as to how to heal it all of that is really tough hard work a lot of people are always like christina you're so inspired you're so motivated they don't understand that every single day that i am literally practicing on myself constantly trying to improve so I think the same can be said for educating white people, other people who are not people of color on what is happening in these, not just locally, but in these big businesses, right? Like yeah, 1000%. Like Home Depot, right? Home Depot has been ho- like open this entire time, right? Helping people with their home projects, giving people supplies, all these things, making themselves look real good, right? But then they're this huge million trillion dollar corporation, and now they're donating funds to Trump. Now, again, not getting into politics, but what is Trump's stance on everything that has been going on in America with all the killing, with all of the harassment, with his Mm -hmm. tweets? Like, Mm -hmm. what is his main concern? It's always just been media. It's always been numbers. It's always been ratings. He doesn't care about the actual people. We've all seen this. So now what, what can you do in that situation? You could stop shopping at Home Depot. That's what you have to do. You have to stop supporting these companies that are supporting the people that are making us stay in this middle ground. We're not moving forward. And that's the power that I think that like people are like, well, I can't do anything. I'm not in politics. You have so much power to educate yourself, not only on where you shop, but on who you vote for, who you speak to, who you relate to. And that's really all I'm trying to bring like visibility to. It's you like, so here's the thing about the wellness industry. And this is why I wanted to talk about it. It's all about aligning yourself with humanity, right? You want me to see you. I have to respect you. I have to hold space for you. I let you step on me on the train. I let you put your elbow on my back on the train because I can't act out because I'm suppressed. If I act out, I'm going to go viral. And I'm also a psychopath. If I'm really pushed, I'm going to flip the fuck out because I'm tired. I'm 34 years old. I shouldn't have to tell a grown man to back up off of my foot. But because he's having a small day about himself, an inferiority complex, he wants to play the big bully. So I'm just not backing down anymore. I think it's really, really important for people to start thinking. A lot of people complain about their debt, um, not having enough money, not, and then they're spending their money recklessly on things and on companies that do not care about them. We are landlocked right now, and everybody is watching us. There is not a company that exists in this world that doesn't thrive off the backs of people of color. We have to collectively sit down, renegotiate your contracts, get guarantees for freelancers, get like you know just re-examine what work-life balance really looks like because since i've been home why would i want to go back to these conditions it's like i feel like i'd be going back to like a factory like why would i want to go back from home like comfortable no we have to renegotiate the terms and i feel like it's really really important for women of color specifically in the c-suite space in the exec space to really consider this why are you going back and going to start commuting again when you're not getting paid the same as your white counterparts if all these companies that you work for are pledging their commitment to donating to Black Lives, no, donate to my bank account. Renegotiate my terms, renegotiate my contract, and probably give me a bonus because it's been really hard. I haven't been able to advance in my career the same as my counterparts because you haven't been looking at me. I haven't been in the same pool. 
And I want 50% of leadership to look like that from the top down. It's bullshit. This is all just like charity, you know, relief. And that's why these conversations are important. And that's why my program and my initiative is a year long. It's called The Reset. It's a weekly conversation that's going to talk about the intersectionality of blackness through wellness in the workplace. And I think it's really, really important for people that I know in my book, and I have a lot of people that people don't, wouldn't even expect that I know because little black girls, who would she know? I have big players that are gonna come out and get really gritty. They're doing the work with me that we have invested ourselves in. I've seen you commit to healing yourself. I saw you transition from being a teacher, committing yourself to kids, underprivileged kids in Brooklyn at BOCES, which is super hard because we have a lot of drugs in our community. We have a lot of alcoholism in our community and we have a lot of suicide in our community and we don't really talk about that shit. So I saw you and I was just so excited that you reached out because I just knew that from a genuine space, like a healing space that you had already committed to doing the work and you could meet me in the middle, right? So like yeah. this is the opportunity where we can continue to have this conversation and invite other women from our pool of Rockland to break this conversation open and disrupt this from suburbia because suburbia needs the awakening. The city's good. The city, we're good. Like we have our own mix down here. But in regards to me looking at being a new young mom that's gonna be transitioning into suburbia, I don't have time to fight with white moms about who my kids are gonna be friends with. So then I've decided to like take up a new, a different career. And that's why I pivoted away from JP Morgan, you know, years ago, 10 years ago because I realized that none of the women around me were being valued as moms that were working. I worked with moms that were running left and right to go get checking accounts, you know what I mean? To fill quotas because they were still marginalized as like sales people. And I was just like, no, I wanna, I wanna sit and be pretty. I wanna be a boss. All these bosses on TV look really luxurious and I wanna do that. So having my own studio allows me to be fully transparent with my offering where like this is a completely open space. I've done the work and I know what it's like to be different. And I think that yoga and healing looks different for everyone. There's no cookie cutter way to wellness. And we need to stop selling yoga like it's like this quick fix. It is dark, it is deep work, and it's transformational. It means that you're going to have to let it sink and lean into it to be able to transcend and lift yourself out of it. And so that means that you need support. And as healers, we need to step up because we are now the new army of people that are going to have to go out in our communities and wake people up to get them to feel good so we can rock the boat, right? Essentially. We need to have people get up, feel good, and feel strong enough to walk out and vote. And we need to then partner and protect the polls. So I have a few projects coming. I'm excited by that because it sounds, it sounds as if your mission is to empower the people who have been told that their power is non-existent. I feel like a lot of, um, I had a family member who suffered from coronavirus for three weeks in the hospital. My, you know, my husband's family member. I know that it's real. I'm not saying that I don't, but, but I think that they systematically in the last three to four months took away all of our freedoms and our powers to make us feel weak, to put yes. us in a place of fear, to put us in a yes. place where we're questioning, not them, we're questioning uh, ourselves. Now we're yes. in mental anguish, we're in emotional disarray. A lot of us are now, they've broken us. You know, uh, we thought we were broken before when we had to go to work every day, nine to five, come home to our families, take care of them, do it all over again the next day. And then uh, on the weekends, take care of the house and whatever yes. else. Now they have broken us completely. Now a lot of us are questioning life, questioning existence. There's a lot more suicide, a lot more drug and alcohol use. There is a lot that they, they have taken everything away from us. Now they are sparking all of this hate amongst us to get us to fight it ourselves so that we don't see what they're doing. They are systematically taking our power away from us so that we just fight ourselves and they do whatever they want in the higher powers to show us that they are in charge and we are not. And it's our responsibility to wake them up. We need to wake these people up and be like, hey, you are not powerless. You have the right to vote. You have the right to choose. 
we actually are in charge of our futures. And that I think is a lot of the work that you're talking about with yoga. Yeah. Like yoga is, can be very dark. There are days where I'm on my yoga mat crying because it's just not as easy as it was the day before. And it's, a, yeah. it's, it's just a, a beautiful practice that I think is similar to the practice I was talking about earlier, that practice of educating yourself, improving yourself. And so this reset that you're talking about, I want to hear more about what your mission is with that. Yeah, let me go ahead and pull this up so I could actually read, you know, you write it on the fly, you're just like, ah, let's do it. Okay. So basically, this is a speaker series that is redefining intersectionality through, um, through empathetic conversations. So I'm partnering up with I can't really say, but I it's okay. Say. It's okay. You don't have to say. <laughs> so, I, so basically I have a, a roster of C-suite executives, celebrities, and models that are going to be sitting with me um, and interfacing about their personal stories. And so if they are of color, they're speaking to the moment where they understood how their identity reflected to them in life. And one thing that they wish their counterparts would know and consider and for my allies, it's a moment of them sharing a, a time when they could have done better and thinking about their point of origin and where that came from, because that's what we need to have happen. I need people to start giving testimony and let that be the trendy thing to do so we can then start having authentic conversations about what the fuck is going on. Because right. we need to show up and protest, but I also know that like people have been home for like three months and are looking to do anything like to be outside. So... I'm organizing a protest, a series of a series of sit-ins. They're peaceful, um, starting on June 16th. Okay. This is a COVID safe action. Um, I'm starting a petition online for people to show up, and this is for POC creatives and philanthropists to sit down against the machine. Um, we need to show the machine, aka big corporations and the people that cut our checks. Any machine, any person that owes you an invoice, anyone that is not paying you consistently or on time, has not guaranteed your funds, anyone that has left you wondering or financially unstable at some time, they need to now renegotiate the terms with those people because going back into the workplace without having those new protections doesn't make any sense. It's actually dumb. And no one would ever do that. It's like, it's true. You're, like we can't just be blindly turning to work as a save all when it has not saved us from anything. No, because you're just going back to a broken system and a possibly even worse system. And, and I could never go back to working at BOCES because of the fact, um, you know, it's so funny is that there was a fellow Latina that worked there and she was the director of human resources and I really don't care if she hears this. She was racist against me. It was literally Cuban on Cuban crime. And that's what I went around the school yeah. saying. That's going to be the next conversation because I am diving into the intersectionality of blackness and how I was bullied by black people. I was literally bullied this past year on a, on a professional project. I was kicked out of a car in the middle of Manhattan during my work day and then told by my production team that I let someone make me look stupid. And I'm I said, so sorry, that's terrible. How is that even possible? So like the thing about this abuse and how people are just like dying to go back to work. No, why, why would I go back to that? No, you so, need to renegotiate your terms. <laughs> you need to stand in your power. You need to stick up for yourself. And so what I'm going to do, I'm bringing on some HR, professionals that I've worked with so they can help you with the language that you need to use while talking to your partners in the workplace and figuring out how to escalate things professionally so you can protect yourself and understanding who your resources are because those are the tools that they do not give you in the workplace. I, want, I, I so want to go into this so much more because then if we want to and we will in the future we will do more of this. Yeah. What bothers me it were triggered me when you said that was the language is great. However, and a lot of this, and we'll go into again in another episode, this whole defunding the police and what that really means. But the unions, I know that people, I love, I know people love unions and I was in a union and everyone's like, you're so lucky you're in a union. Guess what my union did when I was assaulted at my job? They disappeared. 
And not only did they disappear, they tried to have the school fire me. As a tenured teacher, I, they tried to fire me after being assaulted on the grounds. So yeah. it's like I had the language, I had the verbiage, but my union failed to defend me. In fact, they had sided with the administration. So there's yeah. so many different levels of breakdown that happen. And there's like so many different ways you can fall into the cracks of this system and be treated unfairly more ways than one. Do you know what's funny? And it's not necessarily a system. It is white identity that is telling us time and time and time again that we are not allowed to sit at their table. And they will do anything to side and partner and leverage us, to marginalize us, to make sure that we know that we are beneath them. So all I'm saying is, I'm tired. I don't need you in my life, Susan. I do not need you in my life, Rebecca. And goodbye, <laughs> Jessica. I do not need you either. I'm going to go hang out with my friends that have our own money, and we're going to build our own faction, okay? Because you guys can have what you want, but we are the sauce. So we're yeah. going to continue to be flavorful and fun over here. And you yes. can have all that. And, like, have all that. Yeah, you're unseasoned. We don't need that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We don't, because we need to really habilitate the girls like us. I needed to see someone like me growing up that went back to my flock. You know what I mean? That went back to Rockland, you know, to come get me. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of some white lady in a coffee shop saying, you're too big for Naya, get out of here, go to the city. And like, you know what I mean? And But that was the best advice she could have given me, was to be like, why are you here? And that's right. what she asked me. She was like, why do you work here? And I was working at our cafe. Oh, really? Yeah. I, you know what? That's so funny. My parents, my mom came from Cuba. My, she met my father in the Bronx. Oh, my yes, dad, yes, babies. Yeah, so they, um, my dad was involved in like a lot of gang activity back in the day. Might not have been in the gang, but all his friends were. He wanted a quote unquote better life. Because I say quote unquote because my cousins were raised in the Bronx and they have a great life and they're extremely successful. But I digress. And so they moved us up to the suburbs, yeah. right? And they just felt like this was so great. And I am grateful for everything they provided for me and the lengths that they went to make sure that I was well-educated and had good friends and everything that I needed or whatever. But when I was able to move out on my own, I decided not to stay in New City, and no one could figure out why I was moving to Nyack. They're like, Nyack, that's not a good place. And I was like, why? Because there's people of color there? Like, why Like, why is it Nyack a good place? Because it's more diverse. It's more yeah. diverse. That's what it is. And that's exactly why I moved here, because I wanted to feel like I was actually a part of my community. I actually wanted to feel like I could walk down the street and meet another Cuban person or meet a person of color or just someone that just could resonate with my story and my background and what I experienced growing up. And I love Nyack, but as I've continued, but as I've continued to live here now, I think I'm going on 11 years. I've also noticed that Nyack has a lot of issues with racism the day that we had a peaceful protest we had a peaceful protest coming in nyack it was last i think it was last week at this point and you know what people not people the people that aren't of color got mad and you know what they did counter protest cops lives matter we're meeting and this was their exact wording we are meeting to show those animals how to really protest i was taken aback I was, I was so far taken aback. I felt like, okay, well now can I not go to this protest because these people are going to start fighting each other and now it's no longer peaceful because you can't understand that cops lives and black lives, we're all like, we're not all lives matter, but black lives right now are under fire. Cops. Think about you. Let me just be honest. Let me tell you about Rockland County. No one in Melbourne County gives a fuck about black lives at all. You know how many cops I've been harassed by just being a young woman that I've been pulled over by that are trying to fucking rape me on the side of the road? I got pulled in at the high school, North, North High School, 
baseball lot. I got pulled over in that lot and like cornered by a cop at like 1130 at night that was trying to take me out on a date instead of giving me a ticket. And I was like, I gotta go. Like, I'm not here for this. Like literally, like why am I in this dark parking lot at the middle of the night with you? Like, no, I gotta go. And I literally was like, see ya. And I literally peeled off in my car. I was like, you could follow me to my parents' house. That's what you can do if you're crazy. So I'm about this work. Like this is insane. And like, I don't expect anyone from Rockland to hit me up at all. But if people think that they did not bully me, that I don't remember, or that I don't know their names, I mean, I'm, and I know. Like I got pants in front of the entire varsity football team freshman year. I don't remember that, I'm so sorry. Yeah, the whole varsity football team was lined up on the tracks and I got pants by a sophomore freshman year hanging up the signs for a senior game. My coach was there on the field, like the whole team. It's like, how do you, you have to think about those moments and like now I, ha I can release it and cry about it. But like in that moment, it's either I'm gonna throw this girl off with these bleachers and like go to jail or I'm gonna have to laugh this off. And that woman, that, that woman then probably doesn't know that that affected me until now. But it's like, that's what you have to grow up with. And those are the defenses that you have to like put up to survive. Because then if I were to cry in that moment in front of all those kids, then what does that make me look like in this scope of school? And then like who I got to be in high school? Like I was a varsity athlete for three sports. The vice president of varsity athletes against substance abuse. I was an AP lit, I was in honor roll, I was, in orchestra, I like Brunchaker would pull me out. I was in like eight, like it's just like it's stupid how good you have to be to still get shit on. So it's like I don't expect people to actually give a fuck, but what I am gonna ask for is my fucking six feet and respect on everything that I've done. I've been a soccer coach for 17 years. If you know what I mean, like youth advocacy and wellness has been a part of like everything that I've been because I've had to learn how to take care of myself so I can just understand what's going on around me because I am privileged. I don't get to just act ratchet and crazy all the time. I have to be good. And that shit is suffocating when everyone around you with the same educational like levels are just acting like they don't know what the fuck racism is. It's like insane to have to, now I have to explain myself to you? No, I'm just gonna fucking burn the shit down. And I'm gonna pull up and I'm gonna do it professionally with Princess Di on my right Gandhi on my left, my mom in my heart, and Mandela on my head because it's like, I'm over it. I'm not bringing my kids into this anymore. And I'm just gonna be slapping everyone with a lawsuit, literally. I hear I'm you a thousand percent. I'm so sorry that, that you had that experience and... It's an isolated thing and it's just a lot like coming on, but it's just like, you have to think about it. You have to really think about how these kids growing up would speak to us. Yeah, and it's no, I about, But like, they're all trash. It's true, and I, I'm getting emotional because not only did I experience that something similar, multiple things similar, but I also have guilt because I also feel like I treated people unfairly too growing up, you know, and and that, and it's just like I feel guilt over it, and I just wonder. If the people who treated me or you this way feel guilt now, or they feel almost like, well, I did that and I'm proud of it, you know, and I still stick by that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just wonder if like the person who looked at me huh. and said, what are you? And I said, I'm Cuban. He's like, so oh. you're, so you're Mexican. And I said, no. That's a totally different country, you know? And they're like, that doesn't matter. And I was like, of course it matters. Like, uh, you're not from Germany, you're from America. Like, how do you not think that, that that's a completely different country and, and ethnicity and culture? And he was like, you're a dime a dozen on Route 59. You're a day laborer. I could pay you $100 and you'll come to my house and do anything. And I remember just like, my dad's a contractor. And we are, we are day laborers. So like, what the fuck was that? Like, how could you say that to me? I'm not a dime a dozen. I'm actually a very unique, amazing woman. Like, how yeah. dare you say that you could pick me up and pay me $100 and I'll hop in your car and go to your house. You could treat me however you want, speak to me however you want. How dare you say that? Yeah. And the thing about it is that like, for people like that, I think I've cried so many tears years ago about it that like yeah. I'm 
wash that off. But like, I think when I think about it going forward and what fires me up is that I would, knowing what I know, and that's why I was, okay, so like basically this is what happened. I was at JP Morgan Chase and I left after six years. I left after six years for a number of reasons. I resigned. I, it was weird in that office. There's a lot of weird things going on. And then like, I was just like, this is the time to go. I ended up going to fish for like three days straight and doing a bunch of explicit things with friends out of state and Bethel Wood. Um, I'm gonna, I'm always and forever grateful for that crew and like that summer of 2011 really changed my life. I think that it's really, really important to know where to invest your time and energy when we're in this work. I am not here to save anyone that has hurt me and I honestly could care less because what I have built outside of that space or from that space is so much bigger than those small people. Like to really think about girls that were obsessed with Prada bags and Juicy Couture and going to that, what, what the fuck was the name of that store? Oh, uh, hello, I was thinking about it this morning. It was Khakis and I could never <laughs> afford to go. Khakis, <laughs> I was like literally like, I felt so small like not being able to buy a pair of solos or like hardtails. And guess what, hardtail sponsors me now. You know what I mean? So it's like, fuck all of you. Yeah. You know, I feel great. I look great. My boyfriend's hot. Like, I'm, like I live a great life. I have my money, my family. Like, everyone's healthy. My mom is a director, still a New York Presbyterian at the Children's Hospital. Like, life's great. Like, everyone's good. Like, you know, I'm moving into a new direction. I started my own business. I get another business. Literally, I got a, a partnership. I have a lotion line that's coming out. I'm so proud of you. So it's like, you have to just keep moving and, like, build because... The thing about visibility, if you close your perspective, you'll only see what's in front of you. You've got to open it up. And when you're someone of culture, of color, with a real identity, guess what? Your resources are endless. People that have a short narrative only have one way. And that's why they're stingy about what they have. And we have to step back and let them fight over the things that matter to them while we heal the other spaces. Because we have a larger population to deal with and the largest working force to disrupt. So You can't focus on the small people. We can't because it's all private business. If we take them out of the market, then they don't exist without us. We have to repurpose our funds. I really and agree we, with that. A thousand percent. I think people, but that takes work. And I think that takes a lot of work that people are not willing to do. Like how we said earlier, because it's just easier to go to these places that you've always been instead of researching, like, what do they really stand for? Like Ben and Jerry's came out with the most amazing yeah statement in support of whatever's going on i don't really love ice cream i will buy ben and jerry's ice cream. i will overpay for that fucking ice cream every time i want to eat and i think that's the kind of research that people need to put in the work and do too because if we start defunding the bigger places and putting our money towards people who support us and support our rights our equality and justice that's how we're going to all learn and grow as a collective too. That's how we regain our power back because those big companies control the government and you know, they can manipulate the things that we need. And honestly, we have a lot of space, right? I think that people really forget like how much room there is from an equitable space between these big banks and your person, right? Like, so the investment starts with this. It's like, oh, like I'm actually gonna say, here's Christina, I'm gonna post her to my studio account. This is an intuitive coach for you to be to reference and reach out to. If you look like her and she looks like you and you vibe with her, she should be someone that you talk to. And that kind of exchange should be open. But we don't do that. Everyone's like, oh no, I can't tell you who my resources are. And I'm like, for people of color, we gotta let the floodgates open because we are traumatized. Yeah, we're sick of it. We're over it now. It's I'm done with it generationally you have 400 years of trauma you have slavery that started by the dutch in the 1600s right you're cuban think about how long your ancestors were held down and suppressed we still sing we still dance we still find our beauty yeah right we're resilient i can't let i can't let my neighbor is one of them my neighbor every time my dominican haitian friend comes over the look on her face is like she literally makes this face yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Like, so then, you know what I did? I invited all my friends of color over. We had a massive party in the backyard. And guess what? That's, I would have done that regardless anyway, because they're all my friends and I love them. But it's like, I'm going to put this in your base. I'm not going to stay small for you. I'm not going to hide my party inside my house anymore. I'm not going to 
put my music down low so you don't complain. I'm going to be me. I'm going to live loud. I still face this all the time. Christina's posting that she took out her breast implants. She, she should be embarrassed. Why, why is she telling people her story? Why is she telling people she got assaulted at work? Are you kidding? Do you know how many women have now taken out their breast implants since I've gotten mine taken out because they've been sick for years? I am not going to stay small anymore. I am going to put myself out there. I'm going to help. I'm going to wake people up. And I really, and a lot of these people complaining are my family and my husband's family. And guess what? I don't care. Talk all the trash that you want. I'm sending you love. I don't, I don't dislike them. I actually love everybody who has these opinions of me. And I appreciate these opinions because it means that you're listening. It means that you're aware. So... Because I'm being honest to myself. When I hear you telling me exactly what I mean to say, that means that I'm being authentic. So thank you for running it back to me because yeah. all that is the message I need you to hear. Exactly. Hit you, and you're going to understand that you wasted so much valuable time, so much of your own energy on someone else instead of nourishing yourself. Exactly. That we need to really restore ourselves because when we restore ourselves, we can all do better, get more for ourselves better negotiate our terms and live better lives. It's always better to look at somebody else and point at what they're doing incorrectly or what you don't approve of instead of looking at, like, why does that bother me so much? What is that triggering inside of me? I want to unpack this um, in another conversation. I'll send you an outline yeah. for it. It's like this whole housewife suburbia micromanaging thing that kind of filters into the workplace and how that transcends in, in other places because you kind of take what you know with you. Yeah. And how that, how that needs to be rectified in the leadership space. Yeah. Like how we manage people. Because um, micromanaging is microaggressive. It's, it, and it's rampant in... <sighs> Especially on these like little Facebook groups, like Rockland Mommies and like oh, all these like, like that. Oh my God, abort, abort, abort. Oh no. But sometimes, sometimes I just eat popcorn and I'm just like, okay. You need to send some newspaper clippings because I am not, I don't know any Rockland tea. I try to, I never tell anyone when I'm home. I go to my one friend's coffee shop in Nyack. My friend Adam has a little coffee shop. Oh, Adam's chocolate. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> together growing up and we used to work at our cafe together so I just I literally pull up on him he's a sweet guy sweet guy I'm actually um ordering a bunch of his chocolates to send in like these well and fly kits so I'm putting together these kits to like oh. send you one oh I'll, I'll buy I'll, I'll give you stickers if you want to send them out too I have stickers that like I have quotes on them and stuff well I have a question what is your product offering Let's think about that. I don't need to so that. I am a spiritual life coach and I'm a Reiki healer. And those are my two offerings. And I coach people individually. I do group coaching. I've done relationship coaching before and a lot of energy healing. So that's what I bring to the table as a healer. And then I just use my podcast to create free content for people and just kind of put things out there to help people on an educational level. All right, cool. If you want to send me like a photo or a headshot that you want to use and okay I mean I'll, I'll, and like I guess your I let that bio like I want to talk about your product offering because I think this is we need to really talk about our entrepreneurial spaces and not like just give shit away all the time yeah no and I I, I so resonate with that only because like right now I'm in this place where there's a lot of people who have lost jobs who can't, you know, even feed their families. And I am doing a lot of pro bono coaching for people. And I want people to know that, yes, I think that me collecting an income is very important for my coaching because it means that I know the value in myself. But I do also want people to know that if you're struggling and you still need help, I am not greedy. And I'm always here for people, maybe on a more on a lesser level. So I'm not so invested in and working so hard. I, I don't want to say it that way because that sounds rude, but you know what I'm getting at? It's like, I still want to be there and supportive and invest in, in other people and kind of get them to understand that I'm there for them on any level. But, um, but a lot of what my, my big work is, I just enjoy helping people. That is my life's work. Well, I think that the reset should be more than just me talking. So if you want to take up a role in it, I think that you could 
add your space of intersectionality to it and curate your own conversations. I think this is something that women of color need to collectively do. I'm working with a graphic designer um, to, and I kind of wanted to be like, you know, like we have these reset buttons, like you're like a key, like the old school, like key of a keyboard. Yeah. So I'm having my friend design like this um, animated neon graphic of like a, it's like, yo, it's like moving through yoga poses. Like I'm going to do like a sequence and then it's going to like land to this one pose. And when you want to unlock someone's portal, essentially, it's like going to align you with that person. So I think it'd be cool to kind of do this interfacing of all these colors of news um, um, and have people kind of talk about their own Latin. Because I don't, it can't just be about black like my experience so if you want to do that and that gives you reach that kind of allows you to autonomously move and curate your own thing and we would just curate the list and i would probably look at my book of business of people that are like latinx or identifying so you could kind of talk about that intersectionality as well oh i'm honored that you asked me that that's really nice of you i would love to do that I, i'd be yeah. really grateful just to contribute yeah. in any way i can Let's do it. I think that works because then it's like you, if you're having these podcast conversations, I'm just going to flip you people to talk to you. And that allows you to have like either free consultation or develop a relationship and at least show your audience that you're also doing the work too. Because I think right. like that's really what people need to see. Yeah, they do. They need to not just see your black square. They need to see that you are not just there on Blackout Tuesday. You need to be there in a week, in a month, in a year, yeah. in four years, and constantly learning and teaching yourself. And I just want to say that I am beyond grateful and honored that you joined me today and that you're sharing your experience with me and that we were able to kind of reconnect and catch up because you know that I always had love for you growing up in high school. <laughs> It's, you know what's funny? I was thinking about this moment, and I don't know if you were in this circle, but I don't know. I think we may have met in middle school, and there was, like, a time where we were, like, sitting outside in a circle, and, like, I, we were talking about periods one time, and I was just, like, I don't – I think it was – I think you were in that circle. I'm it's sure. Like, it's, it's really interesting because it's, like, the intersectionality of, like, where you begin, right? That connection point and, like, how people pick themselves up in your life. And, like, you're someone that, even though I've been away from Nyack, on random times I would see you in Nyack almost every time I'm back. Yeah. And I, I just love that. You know what I mean? That's why I was, I was a part of like a lot of different circles. I wanted, I feel like growing up in middle school and high school, I never felt like I belonged to a specific group until I landed in cheerleading. I guess I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere, but even as a cheerleader, like people didn't know who like my core group was because I had so many people that I just loved interacting with. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to exclude anybody. Like, I, that just wasn't who I was. I feel like back then we were all a little bit more inclusive than people would really consider. I feel like we really had, like, a large group of people where even myself, I know that I moved through different groups. You, for me, are someone that was really aligned with, like, D-Wing. I, I think I met you at the time when, like, Jess Hirsch and Amy. And, yes. Uh, oh, Caitlin DiLorenzo. Yes. Um, uh, uh, Jillian Horback because I, I rode the bus with Jillian in elementary school. Because she lived, her and Jessica live right next to the school too. Yeah, Straw Town, that's right. And that's how I met you through middle school. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. I know, right? Gross. So gross. It's just so long ago now. It doesn't even feel like it. All the hairstyles. Yeah. Oh, I went through so many different personalities trying to find myself. Like, I think I was a skater. I think I went goth a little while. Then I, like... Oh, we were. Jacob, yeah. We were a mess. <laughs> a mess. The black eyeliner, the nail polish. Oh, my God. It was bad. I remember, like, in, being in, like, was the e at the time in the bathroom? And we were just like peek out and like just go. I remember just like doing so much eyeliner and sparkles. You had to put sparkles on top of everything everywhere too. So fun because it was like everything was so poppy and vibrant at the time. We had like yeah. That what was that like lip gloss brand that everyone lip smackers the smackers. We had Tamagotchis. We had Beanie Babies. We had Our generation had it all. Yeah, we had good stuff. All this poor generation now. I don't know. It's a lot of turmoil. Trash. Trash. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous. You need to like reset. You need the whole reset for like this generation. Yeah. All right. I'm but, 
maneuver on. I know you have to run to you. Yes, but thank I'm you so much. I, I can't wait to do this again with you. I, I want to go into so much more. I have like this huge list of questions. We'll go I over it all. We can chat daily if you want. I'm down. Yeah. As long as I can keep up with the editing, we can keep chatting. <laughs> you let me know what your process is. It's really cool. And maybe it's something that you can coach me on. Like, I bought a podcast space, but I know nothing. I just, like, bought it to just preemptively have If I can do it, you can do it. I'll teach you everything I know. Trust me. Because I am computer illiterate. <laughs> it's hard to, like, admit that. I'm like, I started typing on, like, Mario Kart typing games. Like, yeah. Do you remember keyboard class? I mean, we literally yeah. had keyboard class and I still, to this day, like, I think I started building my website two years ago. It looks like a, it's horrible, but I feel like that was something I thought I needed two years ago to be successful. And I don't, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like those little minute things. It's, it's one of the, you feel so anxious about it. Oh, I have one last thing. And then I'm going to, yeah. um, Oh, I'm orchestrating a series of sit-ins. The first one's on June 16th. Yes. It's COVID safe. It's also virtual. I am going to have an in-person activation along the East River on Domino Park and East River Park for like okay. Brooklyn. And okay. if you're at home, I'm just asking people to wear their tribal colors and take a photo that says our wellness matters. Okay. I'm and down. Outside, outside. I kind of want to do outside so everyone's background is like a frame of the, the sky. Right. But if you if it interfaces on like an Instagram page, it'll all just be like these connective like like portraits of people that's... that really are like different. Do you know what time that's gonna be held at? It's gonna I'm literally I'm gonna it's like all day. It's not like okay. every the in person aspect is gonna be at six PM. Okay. All right, six PM. And we're going to start at McCarran Park and then we're going to walk down to Domino Park. Okay, McCarran Park to Domino. And I mom in Nyack that's also going to be doing something um she may not come outside but i'm just going to start putting out content and like inviting people and like i'm going to put i just put like a revolution post about south africa when people were uprising like i'm just i'm i'm we're out we're out it's over i'm excited i'm looking forward to all of it i can't wait i won't be able to make it into the city it is our 11 year anniversary on the 16th but oh <laughs> Thank you. I feel like it too. <laughs> but, uh, 11 years. I'm like, oh my gosh, we made it. This is awesome. I mean, that's a huge number. It's, huge. it's big. It's a good year for us. But, um, but I will make sure to pop on at 6 p.m. and support you and take my picture. Yeah, it'll be too. a live stream. So it'll be fun to have people just join in together and just like boom and just listen to some people, people talk and yeah, we're yeah. doing it. Yeah. I'm excited to support you in any way I can. I'm thrilled to be able yeah. to have talked to you today. And I look forward to the next time that we can chat and share it with everybody too. I'm so excited. All right. So if people, if people want to contact you, where can they find you? They can find me at well and fly on Instagram and well and fly.com. It's W E L L A N D F L Y.com. Um, and they can email at info at wellandfly.com. Okay, perfect. All right, awesome. I look forward to the next time we talk. Me too. Sorry, this is my first interview. I feel like it was trash, but thank you. No, it was not. It was great. Please. I feel like that's the best kind of interview when you're just yourself and you're flowing and you're just genuine, you know? I feel like when people are, like, too rehearsed, it just comes off a little, like too yeah. structured and I, I it's just better to people for people to hear who you naturally are and that's and a wonderful woman thank you so much Christina you too I'm really happy that we got to connect like it kind of makes me feel like I'm not running away from my past and like I'm owning it and I get to like now feel a little bit taller like in my mission like in myself so thank you for holding space for me today I really appreciate that. oh the same for you thank you so much like help me validate how I feel like all right I wasn't the only person going through this growing up you know I know and it's hard coming from Rockland because you just don't have anyone that to really I didn't know where to have that conversation I didn't even know I was having the conversation you know what I mean it was like it was like in it Mr. Krabs just like uh, yeah exactly all right love you. all right we'll talk love soon you. bye thank you bye